Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm and the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome back to the Capital Club Podcast. And I'm here with Jason Ma. Jason, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting. It's uh, it's an honor and pleasure. Yeah. We uh, connected through LinkedIn. You heard me on the Denton podcast, the Family Office Intelligence, and you reached out and I did some homework on you. We're doing some very cool things within the next gen community and education, and we're going to get into all of that. But as background, Jason is within the high net worth family, family office and global CEO circles, considered the chief mentor of next gen leaders, a sought after coach and speaker incisive strategist and investor in a connected Raymaker, as well as the founder and CEO of 3EQ. So Jason, the topic of the day is, you know, how to not screw up your kids. We discussed before we went live, how there's this massive transfer of wealth occurring while we speak between the baby boomers and millennials, Gen Z's, et cetera. You threw out a really cool stat. I'd love to start the conversation with the statistic you threw out there because I think it provides context for the rest of the conversation. Sure, sure. Since I, I learned from you, Brian, that your audience are ultra net worth families and, and family office executives and also other, you know, related sort of complementary groups of people, you know, some 65 to $70 trillion of wealth are going to get transferred primarily from the boomers to the next gens. So the next gens are Gen X, millennials and Gen Z's, right? Gen Z's are up to age 26, including middle school kids, high school kids, college kids, graduate school kids, working adults up to around age 26, and then around age 27 to say uh, around 40 right now. These are the millennials. So millennials are actually multi-stage, multi right? You got a senior millennials that are probably parents now. 
and then plus the ones that are still, you know, working in the workforce. And then the Gen Xers are the ones that don't go, get talked about that much, but these are the CEOs, these are the senior executives, and these are the, uh, you know, the family business heads and all that. Believe it or not, I know my favorite joke is that I look like I just graduated high school, but I'm not sure tail end boomer. Partially, yeah, people say, oh, Asian American. Yeah, maybe one, one quarter of that, but because I practice what I preach and I stay healthy and, and, you know, try to contribute and grow. Now back to the wealth transfer. What I find in summary, and I believe that you're going to ask me a bunch of questions later in our conversation, is that what matriarchs and patriarchs really look for at the end of the day is really peace of mind and relationships with their kids, with their families, and with people that are important to them. Let's say I'm worth $0.5 billion. Why on earth would I want to transfer most of that wealth to my kids when we don't have a relationship? I prefer to do to, to go for the giving pledge, which is a good thing, by the way. Yeah, philanthropy. So that probably answers your question. Well, and I've heard more and more research and studies that come out saying that the majority of, especially next gens, view the money as a burden. And they, when they hear about when the number is revealed or when the conversation happens or when they get invited to the conference, quarterly conference board meeting, and they see the financials, their first reaction oftentimes is, I don't want to give it away. Why do you think that is? Are you talking about the leading gens or the next gens? The gonna, next gens. Okay, the next gens who would be receiving, begun the journey of receiving. It really depends on, it depends on their, 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 you know, their, their values and, and principles. That's all their family values, their individual values, their mindset. They're also skill set in order to absorb and reapply the tremendous wealth they would be inheriting. Okay. Plus a number of factors based on their maturity, the life stages. Now, a lot of them seeing it from the inside feel burdened because, oh my God, my, my parents in, in, in their 70s, 60s and 50s are, you know, or did quite well. And, and, you know, they expect quite a bit in terms of a family legacy and what I'm going to do with a wealth, et cetera. I feel pressured or I may not share the same values and principles with him or her or them. And so some of them don't even want to just inherit. They want to do something and make up themselves. Now it's actually probably easier. You might've heard this before. It might be easier for you to become very wealthy from zero. And it's a bit more difficult for you to start with a lot of resources. Okay. It's easier to start with a lot of resources, but also it's also difficult depending on the intra-family expectations. So let's say that if you, I mean, a lot of people, when they look at very wealthy kids, okay, in next gens, in the twenties, in the thirties, in the teens, right? Now, a lot of people have the perception that my respect for them is going to be based on what they're going to do with, with their much higher platform to be in with. So in order for them to go higher and succeed with well-being and do good for society, et cetera, et cetera, especially right now, the Gen Zs are highly intellectual, highly intelligent, same for the millennials. The Gen Zs and millennials are actually quite different in some ways as well. So in a way, a lot of them actually feel not very happy about that burden. And then there may be a bunch of family issues. I see it all the time. Okay. There might be some family issues there. And it's just that the soft side is not all there yet. Does it make sense to you? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm 40. Yeah. So I am a millennial. I've got two boys, nine and six. So I'm, I'm at the kind of very edge of, of millennial that I do qualify, but oftentimes pe people can loop me in with kind of the Gen Xers 
And to your point, the, the challenge is that there aren't a lot of Gen X population, right? So they've been thrust into these positions of authority very quickly. Oftentimes, there's not a large cohort. Millennials are now the large generational working cohort in America. And, and we talked about this before we went live, about to inherit a lot of money over the next 10 or 20 years as the baby boomers die out. And I think you're right. I mean, there's this perception that success, i.e. money equals happiness. And the reality is almost inversely true oftentimes right. where when I see a lot of these folks at conferences or I know them socially, many of them are very unhappy. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Happiness is not, you know, you could, you could add another, you know, you, you need the wealth to have your basics covered and, and to live comfortably, to be safe and secure. And then incrementally, if you add additional wealth to that, chances are it's not going to really add to your happiness because your happiness comes from really a sense of connection, a sense of contribution, a sense of growth personally and in your interconnected groups or, you know, organizations that, that you care about. Okay. That's just human nature for you. And it, it's, it's very true. I see it all the time. When I mentor my, my students one-on-one, -on -one, right. And you know that I've, I've mentored hundreds of kids. When I say kids, that includes 30 something, 40 something as well. And a whole bunch of high school kids and college kids that are, you know, a lot of high, high network. It's right, it's, today it's, it's rolling most ultra high network families and, and CEOs and all that. And you know, what I'm consciously, what I consciously do with them is to number one, of course, help them achieve the greatest outcomes to find the direction, the goals, right? Then have to help them set the visionary story, the belief system and help them build a character, but also help them hone their state of mind management and then really sharpen the, the interconnected sub strategies that is going to help them achieve the goal short, medium, long-term, as well as identifying soft skills. I mean, I leave it to them to the hard skills, right? But identify soft skills that they are strong in, celebrate that quickly. But the ones that they need work on, you know, critical thinking, communications, collaboration, et cetera, right? Tenacity, the inner self, your resilience, resourcefulness, your, you know, all sorts of core stuff, right? Then I really hone them up while I vertically help them achieve the greatest outcomes. Build a stronger foundation. It's going to set the stage for you to raise your happiness faster than most people. To me, it's almost scientific because I've been doing that for over 20,000 hours, right? So I see people's psychologies, practical psychologies, individually, within family, in a team, in a company, everything in a connected community all the time. So happiness, honestly speaking, I tell you, it's a choice. It's actually, a, it's a honable skill. Does it make sense to you? It's actually a honable skills. It's a learnable skill. Yeah. I, and I want to get into that. I, I tend to agree. I think there are people predisposed to being happy given their personality and their situation, but it's also a learned Mm -hmm. characteristic and traits. So it can be like, both at the same time, right? You can have this foundation, this basis, and then grow it. But right. then if you don't, you can learn it over time, I believe. Right. You know, today I'm selective when I take, take in new clients, right? Or, or students. And, you know, I, the number one thing that I look for is that, are they coachable? They got to be coachable, committed, and resourceful. Because if they're not coachable, I'm going to waste my time. They're going to waste their time. They're not going to achieve the results that they want to achieve. And coachability it's a critical success factor in life, in business, in family office, in career. End of story. Okay. Jeff Bezos, now the number three, not the number two wealthiest person because the Indian guy surpassed him. He said the most important soft skill to have is really intellectual humility. That means the learnability, the propensity to learn and improve. 
minimal, minimal ego, no ego. Okay. But let's say that if you're admired by big ego all the time, now we do need some ego to drive a, a good business. Okay. But if it's a persistent bad ego, big ego, that is not good. That's going to hurt your family. It's going to hurt yourself over time. It doesn't matter if you're worth $0.2 billion, but it's going to, you're going to end up getting some short, some short end of a stick guaranteed. Okay. Suffer, some relationships are suffering. Imagine you got hit by a truck all of a sudden. You're in a hospital, okay? And in a hospital, you got people surrounding you that actually don't love you. They want to get your, your money. That's it. Do you really enjoy that? Would you prefer to have people that really, who really love you, who really care about you? The answer is clear. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's, we've kind of jumped right into it, which is good, but I want to go sequentially here. So I want to work vertically and then within the verticals horizontally. Okay. starting with the kind of life stage. And let's just use boomers as kind of the starting point. So in your experience and opinion, biggest challenges that are facing these families in terms of imbibing the next gen with the leadership skills and preparing them for this transition, what are you seeing, what are you hearing across your clientele right now within the boomer generation? Right. The boomers are on one, right? You know, I, I'm a Italian boomer. I enjoy the fun that we have. I mean, we created a lot of stuff. We created computers, we created chips and, you know, the seventies and eighties rock music. I love that, by the way, throw in a little bit of disco as well, the pop. <laughs> right. Those are pretty wild days. I grew up in the seventies and I really enjoyed the eighties as well. And I, you know, if I could go back in time, I'll fix a few habits that I had. That was, that were pretty bad, right? Some of which I'm not very proud of, but I'm sure you boomers know exactly what I'm talking about. That just, I just say that rhetorically. I will not change a thing. Otherwise, my 25-year-old, 22-year-old Gen Z working adult daughters will not be the way they are today. And I love them the way they are today, right? So I say that rhetorically. I think one key, it's really peace of mind, man. Peace of mind, relationships. At the end of day's relationship. And I see a lot of them are actually not very happy. Like you said, Brian, the happiness comes from connection, man. You got love is the deepest part of connection. Basic human needs, right? You know, connection, you want security, certainty. You want to have some fun, of course, right? Luxury, blah, blah, blah. And a sense of significance, identity. The connection that, you, I mean, boomer successful, you contributed a lot in your business, I'm sure. Assuming you do a good business, okay? I'm not talking about crim criminals here. And then, and then you're growing, you're helping others grow, you're really benefiting your marketplace, blah, 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 right? Those are very good things. And, but it's really connection part. And then the uncertainty about uh, relationships and peace of mind. I mean, the, the successful boomers are, are captains of your industry already. I don't need to teach you about on how to do your business. You could teach me. I would love to learn from you. Okay. So at the end of the day, it's really the glue part, the soft side within the family. And I see that repeatedly all the time, right? I see patterns at work, patterns that don't work. So boomers, mm -hmm. would, would, you know, wise boomers, don't be afraid to really, really get, get the top-notch trusted third-party help, seriously. Because within a family, especially kids that are still in teenagers, we're going to cover teenagers later, okay? Even up to early 20s, right? The, the, the teens, they're not going to fully listen to you. It is what it is. That's how it works. And then some of the more mature adults, once they grow older, then they start to really appreciate the parents more. It's kind of a, based on a life stage as well. So in boomers, you know, in summary, be philanthropic, give, make sure you give. I'm a philanthropist as well. You know, you, you give your, your, your time, energy, skills, connection, talent, money, and or a combination without expecting anything in return. Especially you give to the disadvantaged, right? The poor, the, the, the widows, the, you know, 
the op oppressed, right? Those are good things. Do you think that seeking that connectivity amongst the baby boomers is because they didn't have a strong relationship with their parents, the greatest generation? I would not, I would not say that. I, you know, I had a, my, my, my own parents, right? I mean, I'm sure that in this audience, you got some OGI network that grew up without wealthy parents, right? And some of you, you did. So, so yeah, it's all over the map. My, my parents and I, you know, kind of Chinese American immigrant family, and I'm from Hong Kong originally, you know, I did not expect, they never say I love you to their kids, but guess what? It's okay. It's okay. In fact, a lot of Americans, same thing, right? It's just that their generation, that's how they were brought up. So I grew to appreciate them. Were my dad and mom perfect? Far from. They were lower middle class. They retired as mm -hmm. lower middle class of blue collar workers, right? So I kind of have to do things I learned. I never learned anything intellectual from my father, by the way, okay? But I love the guy to death. I really respect his work ethic. They were incredible. So it's really all over the map. At the end of the day, it's really up to you. No excuses, frankly speaking, okay? You, you learn from the past and, and, and be in the present and really have a, a strong, clear, visionary direction. I do that all the time with my students, okay? Whether you're a powerful 50-year-old CEO or whether you are a high-achieving 15-year-old high school student. So concrete advice within the boomer generation, seek professional third party. And do you mean therapy? Do you mean advisor? A advisor, okay. Now, for example, if you run a family office, okay, chances are the, some of the family office executives are not your family members, okay? A fraction, it depends on the family, of course. You could be all family members, but you want to hire some third-party help, the CIO, okay? And for me, I, I pop in as a chief mentor, literally speaking. I'm the chief mentor of next-gen leaders. And I wish more families and family office would wake up horizontally. Because a lot of families and, and wealthy people, they think about wealth protection, wealth preservation, you know, additional wealth accumulation and growth, okay? Tax savings. Oh, oh, buy this jet instead of that jet. Wonderful, good for you, perfect. But they, they don't place equal emphasis, which is actually, frankly, stupid, frankly speaking. I, I'm being blunt right here, but it's really stupid. They should place equal emphasis to really have the best mentor possible to really uplift the, the, uh, the mindset, the skill set, what's missing in the ingredients, the, uh, the human capital part. And that's where I come in, you see. And it is so powerful. My, my, my client families tell me, Jason, don't tell other people that, that you are our chief mentor because you are a secret weapon. Okay. Because imagine if, if I could transform and help the leaders. Okay, whether it's leading gen or next gen still in school, okay, improve and achieve the greatest outcomes possible while raising their visionary story, character, belief system, their state of mind management, the soft skills, their, you said are interconnected, right? And execution along the way, raise their pragmatic, emotional, social leadership intelligence. I call it three EQ, not just EQ, three EQ. And the reason I do that is emotion is an instant manifestation of your belief system, of your thoughts or a self-talk and your physiology. You have to take care of everything because everything's interconnected. I literally, I literally guide my students to take care of everything, to, to bring it up to par or even to convert weak to neutral, neutral to good, maybe good to great. I do that all the time, right? Based on who the student is, every person's different. And I, the, the reason I say social intelligence is that that's, that's love in action, man. That's compassion. You build better relationship, you contribute better. And I say leadership intelligence, why? Because leaders are more impactful. You make more money, you get higher equity. 
emotional, social leadership intelligence, 3EQ. I invented that. Like you know, that's my firm name, 3EQ, you know? So, so I think, I think having that type of a mindset and, and then kind of run and execute your day-to-day, it's so much more powerful and you're going to end up getting more things done with less time, less stress, less anxiety, greater joy, better peace of mind. <laughs> it sounds simple. I do it all the time. Well, I like to think, you know, the way I look at a lot of things is there are simple, but difficult things, yeah. right? And that would qualify. So what's the next rung on the ladder? Do you want to go generationally to, to Gen sure. X or just kind sure. of the children? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's go say, let's reverse engineer that, you know, kind of from, from eldest to the youngest, how's that? Want to learn more about investing in alternatives? Take the next step by joining the Capital Club, an affinity peer-to-peer network of industry professionals organized by Excelsior Capital. You'll gain access to exclusive alternative investment opportunities, premium content and education, private events, and more. Visit excelsiorgp.com slash Capital Club podcast for more information and to sign up today. Yeah, so Gen X, interesting generation, right? They're not very large. They've been kind of because the boomers are leaving the workforce at such velocity, they've been many times thrust into leadership positions at an early age, but they feel alienated from kind of millennials and, and boomers. I'm curious what your work has been like within that generational cohort. Yeah. You know, Gen X are actually, uh, it's interesting. Of course, you know, the media is very influential, right? Good and bad media. There's so much disruptions out there, especially digital. And people talk a lot about Gen Z right now. Of course, they, they have their kids talking for years about millennials, right? Uh, you, you know, you, Brian, by the way, you act more like a sort of a junior a Gen Xer, not a senior man. Yeah, because I'm True. right at the edge. And yeah, so I've... I've Your maturity we, level. Yeah, I don't know about that, but great. just... And you're great. You're great. Yeah. You have more great than I do. I'm not sure. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's so funny, right? And uh, going back to the high school joke, I don't like just scratch on high school. You know, the Gen Xers are, they run the show, man. They run the show. They are the uh, captains of, 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 the, of their companies. They are the C-suites. They are the ones that are, you know, a good chunk of them run companies, you know, run family businesses, right? And, and most of my friends, like you probably, most of my friends are, are CEOs, right? And, and a lot of them are, are you, know, you know, kind of, a lot of Caucasian, you know, you know, female and male. By the way, I got a lot of female CEOs. I don't know why. They all come to me. You know, friends, they, they run the show. They don't need to have a lot of glam. You know what I'm saying? They don't need to be kind of social media. They just get the work done. And they are their parents. And they are parents to tweens, to teens, to college kids, to 20-somethings, depending on when they get married, when they have kids. I am my Gen Xers. Yeah, I do personally associate more with Gen X than I do millennials, but that's a different conversation. But let's go to this kind of millennial that, like you said, the media has put a lot of negative spin on them in many ways. And we all know the cliches that they've associated with that, with that generation, but they're big and they're coming and they're going to be stepping into some large shoes here. We mentioned, what was the stat that you said before we went live in terms of the wealth transfer that's going to go down or the wealth held right now? I would say around 65 to 70 trillion wealth transfer in the next two or three decades, primarily from the boomers to Gen X to millennials to Gen Zs. Some of the boomers are even skipping Gen Xers 
and going straight to millennials and, and the Gen Zs. What do you mean by skipping? It, they assume Gen Xers are, are good and they're, or just the way their estate plans are structured. What do you mean by the skipping? Uh, probably some of them are their, I would say siblings. And then some of the older boomers are in the seventies. And then the Gen Xers are early forties to kind of late fifties. And then there are children in a slot. I don't know, maybe relationship, maybe a grandpa, grandma likes to give to the grandkids. That could happen. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot of changes there. And so what have you been hearing and, and kind of feeling within that population of they've been, <laughs> they've been groomed for a long time to step into these roles. It's been a long time coming, but now it feels like it's actually starting to, to happen in practice where they are taking on leadership positions for wh whatever reason, from a demographic standpoint. Do you feel like they're well-prepared? What's the feedback that you're getting from your clients who are within the millennial generation? Oh man, I tell you, a lot of them are totally unprepared. Like for you, you're more mature. You're probably more mature, more, more prepared in your mindset, in your skill set, in your framework, right? And I see, you know, I see these wealth management firms and some private banks and, you know, kind of giving training on, on the mechanical side of wealth transfer. Sure. That's important. You know, make sure that you have the right strategies and tactics on the mechanics, on the hard skill side. But keep in mind one thing, okay? Hard skills could get obsolete in a couple of years. AI is going to take out a lot of these hard skills, I tell you. But soft skills is going to stay with you for decades, forever, okay? And you need both. Everything work together. That's the skill set side. So when you go down the age bracket, and especially for, for those next gens, that don't have strong enough three EQ and four S. Okay. And I see it all the time. And I see consequences, consequences. Okay. Everything's consequential. Every decision is consequential, big or small. Okay. There's always a kind of a balance. It's very interesting how mother, mother nature works. The quality of preparation, that is a key. The quality of preparation individually in the family, your, your four S and three EQ. Uh, in addition to getting trained on, 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 on having more astute financial management skills, better investment skills, corporate governance. And I see a lot of advisors doing things like, oh, helping the family set values and plaster a damn poster, a couple of line items here. That doesn't mean shit. If, if it's not in the embedded in the heart, in the soul of people, right? Like for me, I make sure that my, excuse my French. I make sure my students and, and, you know, the, the next gens and also the leading gens, I educate them. Sometimes I pull the leading gens aside, the parents, and I say, Hey, you know what? Things don't exactly work like that one-on-one, -on -one, right? So privately, I also coach them as well so that they're not going to head towards that direction. And these are very powerful people, right? But sometimes they are blindsided. You know, a jar cannot read its own label. And within a family, sometimes it's too close, right? Like for me, I'm the trusted third party top-notch chief, chief advisor, chief mentor, when it comes to helping you guys on the soft side and also achieve the greatest outcomes, right? And I'm a businessman too, right? In addition to coach, I, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm an investor as well. I build companies, senior executive, been in tech for 30 years, right? So, so kind of technology, education, media, and, uh, and the finance, right? So I, I understand those verticals quite well. So come in with a very loving, very compassionate, but practical perspective. And what's going to give you the greatest life cycle impact, short, medium, long-term, and, and, and enhance your relationships, raise your peace of mind.
that's in my heart and soul. And I inject that into the people that I coach, that I mentor. So let's get practicalities. I mean, if obviously it's pretty late in the day for millennials to go back and build this foundation, but they're going to have to step into these shoes in very short order. What's the practical advice that you give either the generational millennials themselves or the boomers that are transitioning down to help them with this, with this big shift? I would say it's, it's never too late. Okay. It's better late than never. Sometimes a human being, depending on the person, sometimes it might take, take a person a year and a half or two years or a year or a couple of quarters or a couple of months to replace a bad habit with a good habit. Okay. It takes a lot of honing and I do it all the time. A lot of coaching, a lot of mentoring, a lot of guidance, right? A lot of instructions and I make sure and I help make them accountable and guide them along the execution path, right? But some people I find, some of my students, I do certain things based on who they are and I kind of guide them the right way. They can actually make a shift very quickly, right? Maybe they were kind of blocked or, or carrying this certain, certain limiting beliefs or certain partial fixed mindset that actually end up limiting them. But they thought that was the right thing to do, but they just don't, they, their jar cannot see his own label, right? So I teach them, I guide them, I mentor them, I coach them, I condition them. And then they make a shift in the mindset and then upgrade certain part of their soft skills and boom, they achieve greater results. So it's never too late, man. It's never too late because I got those students, right? And I find that the, the more mature mentees or students I take, you know, I find that the CEOs, what they want me to do, hey, to Jason, I want you to optimize and maximize me because they're already like wolf packs, right? They're already pretty aggressive. They're pretty driven, right? In, in a C-suite. Unlike the high school kids, that's a very different story, right? So it's never too late. That's my encouragement to you. Well, and that's where we're going next is, is the current student population, be they college or high school. My boys are in lower school, so this is not my world necessarily from an experiential standpoint. What are you seeing and, and hearing there? And what are the challenges that current students are facing? Oh man, stress, anxiety, a lot of it caused by digital distractions. Honestly speaking, once again, no excuses. Okay. Everything's like excuse. You know, imagine you're, you know, Victor Frankl, right? You know, man, man in search of meaning. That's a great book. I'm sure you probably read that. And since I graduated Berkeley engineering 38 years ago, I went through hundreds of books, right? And so I'm a, I'm a student forever myself. You know, he said that what's between stimuli and response is a space. The space is where you could get your peace and joy. The space is your 4S and 3EQ. Okay. You keep honing that. The space is your visionary story and your state of mind management. In other words, your mindset, right? Your, your strategies, your skills, your soft skills, and how you execute along the way, how resilient you are in your core. Okay. How adaptable, resourceful you are in your core, how tenacious you are in your core. Okay. You want to make the right decision actions. So right direction. You don't want to spend a lot of time energy on a wrong direction. It's a total waste of time. And it's going to hurt you by incurring a future major opportunity cost, right? So making the right decisions is very important. I guide people to make decisions all the time, right? All the time. And, and so imagine that space between stimuli and response, you keep honing that, you keep beautifying, you keep solidifying. Imagine you're building a skyscraper. If your foundation is not drilled into solid bedrock, deep and solid, your right architecture, engineering, precision, implementation. Your, your skyscraper is going to go like this. It's scary, isn't it? And that stress, anxiety, unhappiness, 
blah, 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 right? The issues that people face. So preparation, quality preparation is very, very key. It's never too late. It's never too late, you know? So going to college students, what I see, and then we can talk about high school students, okay? We kind of cover the working adults, you know, the working younger millennials are similar, right? The goals like Gen Xers, even for boomers, right? We care about career success, success, personal success. Once you become a family, you care about family success. Is that true? In addition to your own, you know, wealth, health, health, wealth, and happiness. I got down to a science, right? Because I implement what, what, what I teach. And, but once you are still in your parents' payroll in school, graduate school, college, high school, I find that a lot of college kids, especially the ones that go to these uh, very competitive colleges, right? Uh, you know, you've done research on me. I, I send so many kids to all the Ivy schools, right? You know, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Columbia, Penn, Dartmouth, Brown, Cornell, Stanford, MIT, Caltech, Berkeley Engineering, U Chicago, Duke, Northwestern, uh, Georgetown, et cetera, right? I got down to science, the entire college admission process. I wrote a book. I wrote four articles. I taught 20,000 consultants out there. And so for those parents, you should, you should study my, go to a 3Q website, study my work, right? It's all there. What they, what they are suffering, lots of anxiety, okay? Lots of stress. And some are depressed, a few even worse. I've seen that happen before. I could tell you horror stories, but unless you want to, I, I tell you. If not, I'm going to skip that. But what, what they are really missing, okay? For the kids that are lucky enough to get into these elite schools, in the, you know, they're lucky enough to get admitted, okay? Now, the, the, the past college admission season is the most competitive yet in terms of the metric is college a mid-rate, okay? Two metrics matter to these competitive elite colleges, a mid-rate and yield rate. Yield rate is the proportion, the, portion, the percentage of the kids admitted that end up deciding to enroll or matriculate at the schools. Harvard traditionally is the highest, Stanford as well. Princeton's not that far below in the 80s, right? It's awesome. And then, but a lot of, lot of the EV schools, their, their, their U-rate is like 70, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30% because the kids end up going to other schools, not them, okay? Even though they got admitted to, to those schools. Now, back to the college university kids, right? What, what, what's missing? What I see that kind of frustrates me as well, because these are not my clients, right? Is that back in high school, especially in like Silicon Valley, in New York City, in Boston, and a lot of these more competitive, greater metropolitan, you know, metro areas, right? So the parents, especially, and sometimes the kids, right? They're too short-sighted. It's a big, big, big common mistake. Too short-sighted. All they think about is college admissions. I call it college admission myopia, okay? Because sometimes they think, oh, hey, what my kid goes to Harvard, my kid goes to a top school, then their, their future is, is set. Things don't work like that. And then I have better social currency is face, right? It's I, I, I could talk, hey, my kid goes to a top school, right? I, I look good. Yeah, you know, I had some of that before, but I see that all the time. But that is not a good mindset to have. You should think long-term, okay? College is the next four years, but you should think about the next 20X over that, the next 80 years. Because a lot of people, especially in white color, we love what we do. We're going to keep working for a long time. Listen, Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's partner, co-chairman, Berkshire Hathaway, the guy's 98 years old, two years to being a centurion. The guy's rocking full-time. He enjoys what he does, right? Buffett is what, 92? The guy's working full-time, sharp as a tack, right? I'm not going to retire because I love what I do. I love to contribute and grow. So I'll retire when I'm six foot under at age 120. That's my goal. 
<laughs> it's a joke. I don't know. Maybe it's a fact, right? So back to college, I think if, if especially for the families with high school kids right now or college transfer kids, college high school kids, I urge you to think longer term. Of course, help your kids prepare, get the absolute best trusted, best trusted third-party top-notch mentorship coaching to guide them through the whole process, college process. But integrated with what I do is, you know, life, leadership, career coaching, integrated in a college process and then and, and bake in their foundation, right? Then once you go to the very competitive college, then, then you, don't, you don't have as much of a uh, stress imposter syndrome, right? You hear it all the time, right? Kids, you used to be the king and queen at high school, but now you go to the top school then it's like, oh my God, most of the kids are just as good or better than me. What am I doing here, right? And I see that all the time. So my encouragement is that for families with younger kids, really kind of apply the, apply the mindset, even in college, right? So a lot of kids are not resourceful enough. Once, once again, I teach them. You go to a top private school, even a top public school, they got a lot of resources, but I find that a lot of kids are not resourceful in taking care of using the resources and ended up they're not kind of as happy, they're not achieving outcomes they look for, et cetera. My own kids are doing real well, okay? And a lot of my students are doing real well. My, my older daughter, she's now a fifth year Google software engineer. And the former senior vice president for HR, people operations, Laszlo Bach said that a couple of years ago, he wrote a book, he said, it's 25 times harder to get into Google than to get into Harvard. He wasn't kidding. That was when Harvard was five, six, seven percent of mid rate. Now it's down to about three ish, and and so I think it's now it's more like a 15 percent harder. So Google hired point two five percent, one out of four hundred applications. Harvard admits less than one out of twenty. Think about that. Okay, it's a miracle my daughter got in. My younger daughter, a graduate of Wharton this year, worked in Salesforce Slack, and she's a scholar and a job happy kid. My kids are happy and compassionate. I groom them that way. And then they're on their own, kind of. Of course, I still groom them and coach them in some ways. They don't, I don't have to spend much time because they have a very strong personal operating system and skills and direction. Kind of a long-winded answer. I'm going to stop here. No, that's, but that's good. It's helpful. As we wrap up here, if you were going to give one salient piece of advice about engendering leadership in this next-gen transition, mm. What would the advice? My advice is going back to kind of doing, kind of do why I do what I do. Okay. And over the past 20, 25,000 hours of successful coaching, mentoring, applied research, writing, speaking, and I come to see patterns very quickly, right? Patterns that work, patterns that don't work, individual practical psychologies, family psychologies, parents, psychology, business, company psychologies, and all that. It, all, all roads lead, leads to Rome, okay? That's why I've been honing my in mentorship framework, my one-on-one mentorship coaching framework for us. Really work to strengthen your visionary story, okay? Your skills, state of mind, soft skills, execution, and strengthen practical, pragmatic. I say pragmatic because it means results-oriented and practical, okay? Emotional, social, leadership, intelligence. So that's why I got, I, I'm very grateful to be inducted into the League of Gentlemen in the Sustainable Goals uh, Banquet during UNGA in New York City two weeks ago, in which I was actually a co-MC in the presence of world leaders, like heads of UN delegations and first ladies and ambassadors and, you know, VIPs from entertainment and, and fashion. 
And I'm very grateful to be recognized as a chief mentor of Next Gen Leaders by a bunch of family office summits, by a bunch of magazines, CEO magazine, Impact World magazine, family office magazine, et cetera. So I've been honing my craft for a long time, really focus on strengthening your force in 3Q with third-party, top-notch, trusted mentorship. And then the results that you have is really, then you're able to maximize the, the life stage goals and outcomes and results you want, number one, but with, with greater lifelong life cycle impact, short, medium, long-term, as well as raising the relationships that matter to you. It's a byproduct benefit, okay? And I see it all the time in my family. One of my client parents, right? The guy's ultra network tech CEO entrepreneur. The guy got a PhD from Stanford. And he said that, yeah, get my kids into top schools. He's in high school now. Been coaching a kid for quite a while. He said he's not applying to college, right? And then that's, that's routine. Because all my high school students in the past couple of years, all of them got into Ivy League schools, by the way. Okay? And, and, but at the same time, Jason really honed his communication skills. I'm struggling communicating with them, right? And so the soft skills, the, the communication skills is so important. My younger daughter, for example, I mean, Wharton is business, correct? But it's a miracle she, she became a software engineer at Slack. And when she did her internship last year and, and she accepted a real sweet offer in the beginning of a senior year, she was, she was cruising the senior in, in Wharton. But when she presented her full stack project, you know, within Slack, there's like hundreds of people in the audience, right? I think over Zoom was over the, the, the online thing. And then the conclusion is that, oh my God, right? These C-suite leaders, you know, this kid could communicate. This kid is a future leader. We're going to groom her. So no matter what, I'm gonna, let's hire her. So, so she got a real sweet offer out of, I mean, she even said no to a couple of other things as usual. She even said no to Harvard, by the way, but she got admitted to Warren early decision way back. She, she, she said no twice to Harvard, but because Warren was her favorite school. So at the end of the day, you know, that's part of a soft skills and a 4S. Does it make sense to you? So people, 99% of my families don't think like this. They should think like this, okay? Feel free to reach out to me. I'll be happy to talk to you. And if you, if you, you know, if you learn to, I mean, the, the parents here are great in, in, the, in your business. You're the captains. You, you run your empire. You do a great job. You see the force for the trees in your business. But oftentimes, the parents don't see the force for the trees in their own family. Say, so I guide you to see through and guide you through the forest beyond the trees. Don't just see the trees in front of you, like college admissions myopia. A lot of New Yorkers do, by the way. Okay. So that is your key to, to greater life cycle success. And along the way, we all build greater characters. That's what God is, I tell you. You build a great character that pleases him. How's that? That's terrific. And and Jason, I want to thank you for coming on. And I hope our audience has enjoyed the conversation. If people are interested in engaging with you about your next gen work, the college work that you do, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Just go to my website, I spell it out, 3EQ, T-H-E-T-H-E-Q.com. So seven characters. The number three is taken, so I don't, I don't have that. You spell it out, T-H-R-E-E-Q.com. My email is there. And you can reach out to me in, you know, through the high schoolers page, the young adults page, the parents page. And and a general email, and also the ones for family offices, for senior executives. Yeah, everything's there. And you can also gain quite a bit. My articles, my talks, it's, it's pretty, uh, it, there's a wealth of actionable insights in there too. Yeah, it's impressive. Well, Jason, thank you again for coming on. I, I definitely encourage people to reach out and I hope our audience has enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to staying in touch.
Thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure and honor. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Capital Club. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.